Dennis, uh, hello to you. Now, the topic for today is topical applications because you talk about them quite a bit. (laughs) We do indeed. People sometimes get a little bit uh, amused about the term topical. But what we're talking about are things that are applied to the skin, topical applications like creams, ointments, lotions, etc. Good program today looking at topical applications. It's a fascinating topic. It's something that... I've been preoccupied with for very, very many years, largely as a result of my own uh, requirements many years ago to find something that would alleviate my eczema. My whole interest in natural medicine occurred as a result of my contracting eczema as a young man, uh, studying in Sydney, most of which was done at night, uh, trying to look after myself in, in my early 20s, and commuting each weekend back home to court my dear wife. Uh, and subsequently, in that rundown state, I went down with very, very bad eczema. And uh, uh, none of the creams, including steroids, uh, did much good for me until, very interesting story, uh, a very elderly lady who was living next door uh, to me in, in Dunstaffenage Street in, in Ashfield, lovely lady, her two daughters, very elderly women also, uh, worked at um, Camperdown's Children's Hospital and they knew that I was struggling with, with eczema and trying to manage it and she, they said to me, look Dennis, they use a cream at, at the hospital and um, it's called Zema, Z-E-M-A and she said it's used sometimes quite successfully I said, well, where do you get hold of this? I was desperate and they said, well, believe it or not, um, it's manufactured by a pharmacist in Dimmick's Arcade. Well, on Monday morning, um, in the lunch break, <laughs> I, I made a beeline to Dimmick's Arcade in Sydney, only about 20 minutes' walk from Wynyard, where I was working in, in Railway House. And I uh, met this little pharmacist, and he gave me some Zima ointment. And from the day I started using that, my eczema retreated. It was not just the ointment, but it made a great contribution to it. And years and years and years after, my wife would uh, wander around the house, unpack a box, and there'd be five or six Zima ointments unopened because it was such a successful preparation. And it was only later on that I found out that this cream, which was very, very simple, based on a zinc base, contained a small amount, a small amount of pine tar. You wouldn't believe it. And my fascination with topical applications sprang from my own successful use of that preparation and only to discover later on the great value associated with particularly pine tar and juniper tar, which I went on then to use in the development of very many preparations. So my fascination springs from that experience as a young man, uh, a very, 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 very young man, and it has continued up to this stage where nearly every weekend I will be going through some of the older literature in particular uh, and looking for some of the older preparations, uh, which still work, by the way, but which have been largely forgotten within mainstream medicine and pharmacy, and that's where I would like to think that my experience with a simple ointment like that on my own eczema 
has led to a fascination which still sustains me today. Health Naturally on 2NURFM and we're taking your questions as well as talking about topical applications with Dennis Stewart. And uh, uh, Tracy from Charlestown, you've got a question about eye allergies. Yes, hello Dennis, how are you? I'm very well Tracy, how are you? Good, I've just got um, mm. very stinging, itchy eyes, yes. which I think may be um, allergies. I've had a check at the chemist and they don't think it's conjunctivitis, yes. but I'm just wondering whether to go ahead with something they've recommended or is there anything naturally okay. I can put in? Well, well, any irritation of the eye, Tracy, um, really does need to be looked at by your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I would suggest that you pursue that. But it's quite interesting that you, you ask that question because um, I was uh, in my rooms, I think last Friday after the radio program, I went back to my rooms in New Lambton and a gentleman was at the, uh, at the um, reception desk there and procuring uh, five containers of encapsulated eyebright. And I was a little bit taken back, five containers. And I had known the gentleman and, and, and uh, knew that he had used eyebright. And I said, look, you're using a lot of eyebright. He said, I, words to the effect that I would not be without it. I said, well, what are you using it for? Because he was using it as an oral preparation. Eyebright can be used topically, but mainly uh, orally. He said, I use it. He said, because prior to uh, my using it, my eyes would be constantly dry, constantly inflamed, and very, very irritable, almost as if there was sand in the eye. And he said, from the moment I started using Eyebright as a capsule, probably taking about three a day, a very low dose, he said the condition went into retreat. And it's interesting also that about two or three weeks prior to that, uh, another gentleman um, uh, who who was uh, on my books... um, was using eyebright in conjunction with a herb that in American herbalism is frequently prescribed with eyebright for multiple uh, eye conditions, discharge, uh, dryness, sandy experiences in the eye, and he was using golden seal. So he was using a combination of eyebright capsules and golden seal capsules, and the, commis- the condition went into complete retreat. So well, what, I, what, very what, I, what I would say, and the good thing about it is sometimes the name of a herb will give you the clue to its historical use. Not always, but very, very frequently. And in this case, Eyebright um, underlines the, the benefits of this herb, uh, which is terribly, terribly underrated. In fact, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sad in as much that it is not as well known amongst practitioners today as what it should be and not as easy to procure as it should be. But whenever I think of, of a condition like yours, I always think of recommending, say, a trial on eyebright in cap, uh, capsules. It's economical. It comes in capsules or liquid. It's a very, a very, very safe herb. I would be inclined to, to say, pursue investigation. Uh, but if your uh, GP can... Uh, concur with it, um, or if you feel that it doesn't warrant that, try some Eyebright. Um, okay. I think that, I think that'll be a good start. But look, on this program and, and other programs over the years, people also have vouched uh, for the benefit of of using flaxseed capsules, uh, particularly for dryness of the eyes and grittiness of the eyes. Very anecdotal, but over and over again, I will talk to patients or listen to listeners 
who tell me that using uh, ongoingly uh, flaxseed oil capsules has also alleviated some of these problematical and not easily diagnosed eye conditions. Okay, Dennis, where would I get those from? Well, look, where do you live? Um, Charlestown. Well, look, any health food store, um, Warners Bay, Charlestown, any pharmacy uh, would have them. They're not difficult things to get. There's actually no topical application or anything you could put in there to rinse your eyes out or anything like that. There there probably is, but I'm always reserved about that because um, things can go wrong if you are um, flushing your eyes with things that aren't sterile or if there's an infection there that needs to be managed uh, medically. Um, If you're concerned about the possibility of infection, uh, see your GP. He's trained to be able to recognise that. If it turns out, as I suspect it will as some functional condition, maybe an allergy or a seasonal thing, then uh, I think Eyebright would be useful. And in my opinion, it would not clash even if your GP prescribed uh, an antibiotic or something more medical. Okay, thanks very much for your help. I'll get hold of that and try it. Thank you, Tracy. Thank, Thank you. you, Tracy. Good. All the very Good. best. Good. Margaret has rung in from Mayfield. Now, uh, eczema. Yes, we've been talking a bit about eczema this mm. morning. Margaret, uh, your granddaughter's got a condition, has she? Yes. Hello, yes. Margaret. Um, she can't come and see you. She works in um, in Parramatta. Yes, yes. But she's suffering suffering from um, eczema extremely badly. Oh, dear, dear, she's dear. Been to, she's been to see her doctor yes. and... Um, in Sydney, and he has referred her to a dermatologist. But when she contacted the office, Mm -hmm. it was a skin cancer clinic. Okay, okay. And, yeah, so she's she's going to change her doctor to get somebody who knows what they're doing. But uh, you were talking about this SEMA. Is there something like that that you make? Okay, look... I'll, I'll come in here and say a few things. Um, your GP may have been on the money in as much that dermatologists also do a lot of work, um, as far as I'm aware, with skin cancers. In fact, I had to see a dermatologist myself um, who specialised in, in skin cancer management. So your GP, uh, don't be too harsh on him there. But um, getting back to and, and the, your uh, granddaughter's eczema, must be quite severe because, um, normally speaking, uh, it, it can be managed by a GP between occasional, occasional uh, steroid preparations, both orally and topically. But look, um, I believe it, it, it is. It's yeah. extremely okay. severe, and she's got a very high pressure job. Oh dear! And well, I think, yeah, that's I think that's what's that's making what, it worse. I think Margaret, that's what I think gave me my situation: <laughs> the stress of of employment, study, and living away. I'll, I'll be very quick here, and the things that I'm going to recommend, she should be able to procure uh, quite easily. First of all, first of all, to try to get some relief uh, yes. from the itch and the irritability. Uh, she should go to a pharmacy and ask for, and he will know what I'm talking about, ask for an over-the-counter lotion, I won't mention brand names, a lotion of, of pine tar and menthol. Now, I've used that myself uh, only a couple of years ago when I had some peripheral eczema. By the way, once you've had eczema, it's pretty well with you on and off throughout your life, but you can manage it much much better as you get a bit older. Get hold of that. I found it very, very, very useful for subduing some of the incredible itch 
associated with the condition, principle number one. The second thing is she should, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, go and get a, a topical application uh, from the pharmacist over the counter if, if a GP is reluctant to prescribe uh, himself, your pharmacist could be able to dispense and manufacture for you, uh, particularly a compounding pharmacist, a, a cream or an ointment that contains uh, a percentage of either pine tar or juniper tar, which is known as oil of cade. Now, a, compound, okay. a compounding pharmacist should be able to put that together for you, or they may even have something already manufactured that has uh, some pine tar in a zinc base that would give a little bit of relief from the condition. Now, having said that, having said that, uh, my view with eczema is that it is amenable to, to oral medication. And for many, many, many years, I have extolled the virtues of using the European herb, and we know it as a garden herb, viola tricolor, or what's known in the gardening world as tricolored pansy. Now, you're not going to believe it, but that is the most popularly used eczema ointment in, in Europe. And the good Dr. Rudolf Weiss, in his wonderful text, uh, extols the virtues of viola tricolor as a primary remedy to use orally for the management of eczema. So you could, should be able to get that at a health food store. It can come as a tea. It's not easy to get as a capsule, although a medical herbalist or a pharmacist who is stocking uh, a dispensary full of liquid herbs should have viola tricolor, which is known as heart's ease. That on its own is a very specific remedy, and she can Google it and see the confidence that the yes. literature gives. What, what was that name again? Heart, I've, I've written down as, the tricolor okay. pansy. Yeah, it's also known as heart's ease. Heart, oh, heart's ease. Heart's ease. Now, the other thing also, very quickly, is, and I talk frequently about this, I'm a strong believer in the role of bioflavonoids, and if she sees the pharmacist or a health food store, a bioflavonoidal compound with quercetin in it, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Quercetin. In a bioflavonoidal complex, it is the primary uh, bioflavonoid that uh, herbalists and naturopaths and some integrated medical practitioners would recommend as a good supplement for this condition. Right. Okay, because she suffered from... She's only in her early 20s and yes. she suffered for this for about five years and it's just well, getting worse. I know. Look, I've been there. I, I could talk all day about eczema, my experience, my breakthroughs, and I've been too quickly in, in talking to you. But what I've given you, if she follows it through and can see, and this is half the battle, if, if she can see that there is something she can do to ease the situation. By the way, by the way, uh, I'm presuming she's using an antihistamine. Um, I, I know that, that she's been uh, she's oh, she's using a lot of stuff okay. to try, you know, to, to and, and, try and. Okay, well, a doctor would have recommended that, I'm sure. But my experience here again is that the use of what's called a non-drowsy antihistamine, particularly in conjunction with using that preparation of pine tar and menthol. That, in my situation, worked like a gem, and I have patients, patients who will swear that that combination uh, gave them at least the ability to get through the night without scratching themselves to death and to progressively ease the condition to make it more bearable.
to a new RFM's Health Naturally and Katrina has rung in Dennis from Bulwara and her question's about endometriosis, Katrina. What would you like to ask Dennis? Oh, Dennis, I was just inquiring, is there anything naturally you can do for the endo? Okay. How extensive is your endometriosis, uh, Katrina? It's, it's not me, personally. It's my daughter. Okay. And we're, we're, we're not defined as yet. We're just, we've just worked it out, we think. That's, that's, so, that's, so, so it hasn't been diagnosed? Well, we're about to, yeah. They think that, oh, okay. that we're just waiting on the appointment, but okay. we think that's what How old's your daughter? 22. Okay. Um, look, first of all, um, pursue the diagnosis. Pursue the diagnosis because you and your daughter would be aware that endometriosis is, is a common cause of infertility if it is not managed properly. Um, so yeah. pursue that. Now you say, is there anything in the herbal world uh, that can address the problem? Now what I'm going to say now must not be taken on board as an alternative treatment and certainly not used prior to, prior to the investigation. But uh, I have had some very, very remarkable experiences in practice over many years uh, using a herb called Vitex Agnus Castus. Vitex Agnus Castus. It's uh, also known as chaste tree, and it is colloquially referred to in the herbal medicine world as a hormone balancer that tends to balance in favour of, of progesterone. Now, that won't, won't mean that much to you, but um, I can remember a case uh, that I treated in Newcastle which lingers in my mind and which I have used over and over again to justify my claims that this herb has benefits here of a, a lady who see me, saw me in Newcastle who had been seeking to um, fall pregnant for very, very many years but had very severe endometriosis that had uh, not responded well to um, mainstream treatment and in desperation, in desperation, uh, saw me in Church Street. This was just before the earthquake. And I remember the situation well. I prescribed uh, Vitex Agnus Castus in conjunction with a, a number of other herbs. And I never saw the lady again, only to find out down the track that she regularly came in to, to my dispensary in Church Street and purchased a mixture containing the prominent herb Vitex Agnus Castus and down the track um, wrote to me uh, and pointed out that she had, in fact, um, had twins. And th this was as a result of her taking a Vitex Agnus Custis, unknown to me because normally I like to see patients after I've prescribed, but she just thought it was okay to come and use the formulation and she took it and defied everything medically and uh, fell pregnant with, with twins. So I'm not saying that Vitex did that. All I'm saying is that whenever I think of endometriosis or patients who have a background of endometriosis, I will always think of the herb Vitex Agnus Castus. But again I say, again I say, please take this on board, it is not to be seen as, as a medication, as a primary medication for endometriosis. This can be managed well medically, particularly in its early stages, but it might be something to consider down the track as a useful remedy when taken ongoingly to lessen the assertion of endometriosis again. Isn't that ironic? I've been on it for probably 15 years myself. 
Have you really? <laughs> on Vitex, yes. have you? Well done. Yes. Uh, yes. Who, who put you on it? Uh, uh, Tony Green, a herbalist that you've seen. I taught Tony. Yeah. Yes. I taught Tony many, many years ago. I think she's in the, in Tasmania now, from what I understand. Yeah. Yes. yes. Here and her and her yes. dear husband, her her, her husband uh, and I were the first to grow Echinacea pallida on his property uh, on the on in the um, in the Hunter Valley there. I know wow. them very very well. Yeah, lovely people, and Tony's yes. a very competent herbalist and. Uh, yeah, well, she's in in the uh, the Apple Isle, as they say, and probably using a lot of Vitex Agnes Castus. <laughs> she probably <laughs> is. Thank you for your call, Katrina, and uh, all the best for your daughter. While we're thinking about mm. topical applications, Dennis, chickweed ointment. Ah, chickweed ointment. Is one Chickweed ointment. Oh, look, if we had a couple of hours, I could tell you the, the journey associated with that. But look... I have mentioned on this program before a lovely uh, little book, which I'm, I'm sure it can still be got if people look for it. Um, it's How to Enjoy Your Weeds. How <laughs> nice. to Enjoy Your Weeds. Um, and it's the uh, author of it will come to me in a moment. Uh, Audrey Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Audrey Hatfield. I still have my weather-beaten copy at home. And look, it's a remarkable work, only an eccentric an English lady could write a book like this, and I love eccentric uh, English women. They're, they've, uh, they're the backbone of herbal medicine, and uh, I could talk about many... And look, she may not have been eccentric, but people would say that they're eccentric because writing a book on weeds and telling you how to enjoy them... Well, in that book, there's a lovely section dealing with chickweed. And uh, I read that book many, many years ago and did my first field excursion with students based on that book, trying to locate in the Australian wild many of these herbs that prolifically grew in Europe and, interestingly, were prolifically growing here. And chickweed was one of those herbs. And then, when the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia was published in about 1983, in looking at the monograph for the herb Stellaria, which is the botanical name for chickweed, standing out in the monograph under the indications for chickweed was that used as an ointment or as a lotion, particularly for eczema or psoriasis. And we had no trouble uh, locating chickweed. So one of my um, graduate students, dear Robin Kirby, she had a, a little farm at uh, in, in, in Arimba, a couple of acres there, and I used to go there frequently and enjoy a few beers with her husband before we'd go down the back and get stung to death with our bees. <laughs> and Robin had a lovely combustion stove and a lovely little dispensary. And we made our first chickweed ointment over her combustion stove. Uh, and it became very, very popular to the extent that we ended up having distributors. We knew nothing about um, all that was required by various government departments to do this. We just made a magnificent chickweed ointment that was magnificent in dealing with nappy rash, magnificent in dealing with dry, cracking eczema, and useful also, as the literature said, in psoriasis. So we, as far as I'm aware, we were the first to develop chickweed ointment in Australia and have it distributed, and it was doing exceptionally well. Robin uh, was using it all the time. I would use it where appropriate until until we were visited by the Gestapo and and it was pointed out uh, that in order to make the ointment 
we would have to establish a factory. And, of course, uh, that, that killed it. But interestingly, what happened, um, a well-known Australian company um, purchased the formula and we received a royalty for many years for the chickweed ointment and it's still circulating. I won't mention brand names, but chickweed ointment and interestingly, one of the most imp- impressive little preparations that individuals can make themselves is what's called the infused oil of chickweed. Now, an infused oil is simply taking a herb either in its fresh or dried state and soaking it in, in, in oil, usually olive oil. And so the infused oil of chickweed is as crude as just taking, if you like, a wide mouth jar, stuffing it with fresh chickweed because that's the best chickweed to use and then pouring in as much olive oil as you can, putting a lid on it and letting it stand in a warm spot, usually the sun, for a week or two. At the end of that, you will decant off a beautiful, beautiful light green oil, which is the infused oil of chickweed. I still use that. Interestingly, in my rooms yesterday, I dispensed it uh, to a lady who had very chapped uh, fingers. But interestingly... When we talk about its role in psoriasis, one of the most outstanding cases where chickweed helped was, again, going back many years, a, a, a lad about 10 or 11 saw me in, uh, in Church Street, Newcastle, and he had patches of eczema all over his body, but in particular on his trunk, on his chest and on his back, quite definitive lesions. And his mother brought the lad in to see us, and I prescribed the oral medication that we would normally prescribe, which I pointed out to them, would take some time because psoriasis is not a condition that resolves overnight with herbal medicine. But I also gave her a bottle of chickweed, uh, infused oil of chickweed under my own label. And I said, look, let's, let's have a look at the lad in, say, a month or two and see how he's going, which is the normal procedure. And I said, don't expect too much in that time. Well, in about a month or two later, he came in, but this time with his father. And um, I thought, hello, what's going on here? This doesn't look too good. Anyway, his father came in and I said, uh, oh, I said, I've not met you. No, he said, I, he said, I was very sceptical about this system. I said, oh, I said, many men are. Um, not so much today, Jane, but in those days it was, particularly in Newcastle. And uh, he said, look, he said, you've done wonders with, with this boy. I said, well, that's good. I said, so he was able to take the herbs, was he? Oh, he said, no, he couldn't take the herbs. He said, oh, they're too nasty tasting, he said. But he put that oil on religiously. And he said, look at his back and chest, all gone. The infused oil of chickweed. So the pharmacopoeia, Audrey Hatfield was right, and I still use that simple preparation where appropriate as a topical application, particularly for psoriasis. Excellent, excellent history there too, Dennis. Oh, it's fascinating. And that's one of the great things, Jane, at this very, very late stage of my professional career, Uh, I can look back on uh, using these herbs and not just speak from a theoretical point of view, but point out some remarkable retrieval of people's health using these things. That's Mm -hmm. why I get angry when the cynics are on the fringe saying, oh, no, these these are quack remedies or they're not scientific. Mm -hmm. Jane, I don't care. They work. Health Naturally on 2NURFM and it is uh, 49216216, the number for your calls. Dennis Stewart, uh, Wendy has rung in from Garden Suburb and is asking about how you can get hold of Vitus Agnes Vitex Cast- Agnes Castus. Yes. Hello, Wendy. 
Uh, Wendy's not actually on the oh, line. Okay. It's just an inquiry. Okay. Well, the first thing to appreciate about this is that one must take on board what I said earlier about uh, the use of Vitex. Vitex has um, ramifications on the hormonal chemistry of the body, so it's not something that should be glibly used. Um, Vitex is a herb that made its fame um, in English herbalism, where, interestingly, a, a, a captain, Geoffrey Whitehouse, um, a great herbalist, by the way, in the UK, in one of his books, he wrote about uh, Vitex agnus castus uh, being a herb that has progesterone characteristics, and he had demonstrated from his understanding of the herb his uh, reading of it, particularly in, in, in European um, medicine where it was popularly used, he saw it as being predominantly a remedy that had benefits in managing the premenstrual syndrome. And I still say to this day that it is one of the, uh, in my opinion, I've got to catch this terminology by saying that, in my opinion, it is one of the best non-drug approaches to managing this recurring problem that many ladies have, the last week or two of the cycle being characterised by various symptoms of depression, fluid retention, uh, sugar cravings, etc. Uh, the use of Vitex, certainly in my practice and in the subsequently in the practices of many of my graduates, changed the herbal management of that premenstrual syndrome. Interestingly, and I say this to, to, to women listeners, uh, Dr. Katerina Dalton, a British GP, wrote a book entitled Once a Month. I'll, I'll say it again, Once a Month by Dr. Katerina Dalton. It's a work that taught me and told me more about uh, female reproductive chemistry than many of the textbooks. And I used a lot of her information in supporting the use of Vitex as, if you like, a natural way of in, in overcoming some of the hormone imbalance that the good doctor spoke about. Now, I mention that because I say to a lot of women, get familiar with your own reproductive cycle and chemistry because once you understand it, you've got a better position to dialogue with your GP and you've got a better position to understand things that otherwise you would not understand. One of the best explanations as to why the premenstrual syndrome asserts itself in so many ways is called up in Dr. Dalton's book, Once a Month. Read it. Now, Vitex is specific for that, uh, and I have no problems in recommending its use there. But outside of that, for more medical conditions, it should only be used um, with uh, knowledgeable practitioners, medical or naturopathic. Fortunately, Vitex agnus castus uh, is not that difficult to procure. Uh, a pharmacist, a compounding pharmacist with a dispensary would have the herb. It's also called chase tree. It can occur in liquid or tableted preparations. Um, not difficult to procure. If you can't get it, you can always ring uh, my rooms and we'll tell you where to get it. But it's not difficult. Go to your own health food store first. Um, uh, go to your pharmacy if it's a compounding pharmacy. Not difficult to get. Excellent. Now, uh, Trish has rung in from Ellamore Vale, Dennis. And, uh, oh, it's oils. Oils from back last to oils. week. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Evening Hello, primrose Trish. oil and cod liver oil, yes? Hello, Trish. Hello, Dennis. 
Um, I've been on evening primrose yes. of 1,000 milligrams yes. for a while yes. now yes. because they gave it to me for lumpy breast. Yes. But I went up, when you were talking about cod liver oil, yes. I've gone on to that yes. now. Yes. Do I take the both of them okay. or Look, uh, evening primrose oil is much, much more specifically indicated for nostalgia or, or breast, pain, pain, uh, breast pain and conditions that assert themselves, particularly in the context of the cycle. Cod liver oil, in my understanding, is, is more appropriate uh, as a general tonic remedy, particularly uh, for uh, supporting the respiratory system in chronic respiratory conditions. I think you should retreat to evening primrose oil, but let me just say, if you're only taking 1,000 milligrams, you're taking a very, very, very low dose. I, th- I was taking two a day. Still, I went from mm. three down to two, and now, now I've gone off it. I, how long were you on it for, Trish? Oh, about uh, four years. And and uh, did it do any good for your breast oh, condition? Oh, yes, it worked. Okay, well, it worked tremendously. Well, just stay that. with it. Stay with it. Now, let me just say that cod liver oil could be taken in conjunction with it if there is a need for it. And I uh, see cod liver oil, and I'm pushing it at present because we're coming into winter. A lot of elderly people with chronic respiratory conditions, I believe the old-fashioned use of cod liver oil has value for them. Um, so it, it won't hurt, it won't clash, but don't take it as an alternative to that remarkable remedy. And I say remarkable remedy, evening primrose and the oil from it. I'm glad you got benefit. That underlines what I was pointing out last week, that something like this, which, by the way, is not that well known even in, in, in general practice circles. And that puzzles me. Dennis, we just have time for one yeah, more yeah, cool, yeah, quick yeah, one. Yeah. And Kerry has rung in from Cessnock. A question about dry eye, Kerry. Uh, yes, hi, Dennis. Hello, Kerry. Um, hi. Um, my husband suffers with dry eye. We've yes. had um, heaps and heaps of drops. And yes, I put yes. it in, he says it does nothing. But okay. you were talking about a... Um, Bright eye or eye bright capsule, would that do anything? I think in this case it might be wiser to take on board what I said at the end of our discussion, um, the anecdotal evidence that suggests that encapsulated flaxseed oil does have some benefit in some cases. Now, I say it's anecdotal because there's not a lot of evidence in the technical literature, but I take notice of what people tell me and the feedback I get in practice, the feedback occasionally I get on radio, suggests that flaxseed oil does reflect itself in some cases with improvement of the dry eye syndrome. The good thing about it, Kerry, is it's inexpensive. You, mm-hmm. can, you can get it from Mark's Health Food store there in Cessnock. Um, he's a great practitioner, runs the Govita store there, good lad. Um, he would be able to talk to you more about that. By the way, Eyebright wouldn't hurt taking it, but I see eyebright more in the context of irritable eye conditions, discharging yeah. eyes, watery yeah, eyes. Well, he, he hasn't got that. They're just red yeah. constantly. Yeah. Well, look, um, if, if, constant blinks. Okay. And he, he's okay. had them checked out by the um, good, good. eye specialist. Good. And good. They just say dry eye. Yeah. Well, look, it's not, there's nothing the matter with his trying also eyebright. Mark would have mm-hmm. that in his store. And there's nothing the matter with him persevering. Now, here's the emphasis, persevering mm-hmm. with the um, with the oil. So um, how does he 
is it encapsulated? Is it the oil? Flaxseed oil is in encapsulated form, and the eyebright can either come in capsules or liquid. Excellent. Thanks for your call, Kerry. And uh, that just about brings health naturally to a close. Yeah, We've had well, lots of we good did a little bit today here. with topicals. We might take it up again next week. Why not? Plenty mm, to mm, talk mm, about. Mm. So thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.